B-E-A, beautiful. The littles can go that way. I'm going to invite Tony uh, Praviti up, and he is going to share with us our gospel reading today as uh, we start to reflect and look at the Sabbath and how that uh, functions in our life and what Jesus had to say about that. Mr. Tony, take it away, good sir. Thank you, sir. Good morning, y'all. It's great to be here in person. <laughs> so this is from Mark 2. 23 to 28. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he, his companions, he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. And then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. B-E-A, beautiful, thank you, Tony. It is good to be with you guys. I'm gonna get this reset up a little bit just so I'm not tripping over myself. As Tony said, it is good to be with you in person. It's good to be with you guys online. Uh, we are finishing up a series called Operation Refresh. And every week we've been looking at different aspects of our lives, physically, financially, emotionally, mentally, of how we need to refresh what's happened over the last year and a half. All of us have gone through tension, all of us have gone through stress, we got into unhealthy rhythms. And so we've been trying to look at how do we refresh these things? How do we get back to what God originally intended them to be? Uh, and for me, it was a lot of looking in the mirror and a lot of finding parts of my life that weren't reflecting who I knew God wanted me to be. And so this last week is how do we rest? How do we restore ourselves? And it really encapsulates everything. If you want to get better spiritually, if you want to get better mentally, emotionally, the Sabbath, this gift from God, is one of the best ways to do it. But it's also probably the area where I've been most convicted in the last couple of months that there were some gaps in my thinking. So this is going to end with a really awesome gift God is gonna give us, but we're gonna to have to go through some hard uh, introspection and honesty about ourselves to get there. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a good God. You are a God of blessing. You are the giving God. You are the caring God. You are the God of rest. Father, I pray that as we enter into today's message, as we reflect on your word, Lord, uh, that you challenge us, Lord, that you help us see ourselves in the way uh, that is honest. Uh, but Lord, also that we come away uh, with a better rhythm, with a better insight, that we can be a better blessing to all that you bring into our lives. We say this all in your son's precious name. Amen. So about a month ago, a group of guys at the church, we have a group called the Men's Management Group. And it's essentially guys who manage other people. Uh, it's an open group if there's anyone who would like to join. Uh, but about once a month on Tuesday, we get together and we just share and kind of reflect on best principles as Christian managers to raise up other people. Uh, and so we had Chad Wright, kind of a ringer, come in. And he was talking about emotionally healthy leaders. And I was like, okay, sounds great. Let's, let's bring you in. This will be awesome. And, and he's talking about how important it is, if you wanted to be an emotionally healthy leader, to rest well. And he goes, and you guys are all Christians, so you understand this is the Sabbath. And I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. As soon as he brought up the Sabbath, I inwardly groaned. Because I 
was actually, quote unquote, doing the Sabbath and I was still exhausted. Every week, I am pretty good on Fridays of taking a day off. And if there's an emergency or, you know, some kind of big thing that comes up, I'll, I'll lean into it. But for the most part, I would take this day off and I was still exhausted. And so when Chad brought up this idea that the Sabbath can be a way to restore ourselves, I, as a pastor, my immediate reaction was to just roll my eyes. But th then he said something and it was like, it just clicked in my mind of where the gap was. He was, Sabbath is meant to be restorative. And as I thought about my Sabbath, it was not restorative. It wasn't built to be restorative. This is how my week would go. All right, so if Sabbath's on sa uh, Friday, Saturday would start. And I'd start getting ready for Sunday. And then Sunday comes. Oh, gosh, Sunday for a pastor. And then Monday, staff. Oh, Tuesday, better start working on that sermon. Wednesday, oh, gosh, I got to meet with this member. Thursday, oh my gosh, my house needs something. Friday, my day off. A deflated balloon. Friday was the day I allowed myself to quote unquote rest. But it wasn't resting, it was just me deflating. It was, it was a day where I stopped blowing into the balloon that needed constant breath. I wasn't resting, I was stopping. And stopping wasn't restoring anything. I mean, it was good that I wasn't trying to work 24-7, because none of us can maintain that, not for long anyway, before we start to break down, before, like I mentioned in the video, we become just another cog in a machine that just burns people out constantly over and over and over again. But the good news is God does not expect us to survive off of being an inflated, a deflated balloon. He, he's got something better. So let's look into what that looks like. We're going to start off looking at scripture. Is that on the right slide, perchance? Is this on? There we go. Remember the Sabbath. This is from Exodus. By keeping it holy, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. This is not working for some reason. Uh, next one, thank you. Uh, on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter nor your male or your female servant nor your animals nor the foreigner residing in any of your towns. Next slide. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and all that is in them, but on the seventh day he rested. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. All right, I got control again. Thank you. All right, so it starts off by describing what the Sabbath is, and there's, there's two things here. See, the Hebrew word for Sabbath literally meant an intermission. It meant an interrupt in a pattern, right? So something's going to be different. There's an interruption here, and that word holy meant to be set apart. So what the Sabbath literally means as an intentional time that is set apart from the rest of your weekly rhythm, right? So there's intention there. It's deliberate because what we're going to find out is Sabbath is not natural to our sinful condition. There's a bunch of reasons that we're going to dive into for that. But the big thing of understanding Sabbath was that God wanted us to intentionally set apart time to do something different, to be restored. 
And one of the coolest things about Scripture is he starts off in Exodus, he creates this people, Israel, those who will wrestle with him. And he says, okay, this is your weekly rhythm, but it goes beyond that. Exodus continues on, and for every six years you are to sow your fields and to harvest your crops, but during the seventh year, let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it. The wild animals may eat from it. Do the same with your vineyards and your olive groves. It starts off, right, not just a weekly thing, but every seven years. There is going to be a whole year of rest, a whole year to restore and to be poured back into, right? And if that wasn't big enough, if that wasn't a big enough, like, okay, God's really serious about that, there was another one. Scripture goes on, count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven, so that the seven Sabbath years, try saying that seven times fast, uh, amount to a period of 49 years. Then you will have a trumpet sounded everywhere on the 10th day of the seventh month, on the day of atonement, sound that trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all the inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family, the property, and to your own clan. The 50th year shall be a jubilee. Don't sow or reap what grows of itself in untended vines. For it's a jubilee, and it's to be holy for you, to be set apart for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. The word jubilee meant trumpets. It was how you would celebrate. It was a way to party. It was a way to be restored. Every 50 years, there was this ultimate restoration that was supposed to take place. That whatever debt you had gone into would be forgiven. Whatever challenge you had that your family had gone through, the whole community was supposed to come together and help everyone restore together. This was a crazy idea that we don't even know if the Israelites were ever able to do. There is no historical account, even in the Bible, of them practicing this year of Jubilee, this ultimate restoration where everyone's forgiven, where everyone gets to be restored and made whole again. It was that Radical, And yet what God was saying to his people is, guys, I am a radical God who wants to specialize in you living a healthy rhythm, a restored rhythm, not just day by day, not just year by year, but to have a jubilee. Once a generation, everyone gets restored, everyone gets refreshed. But again, we never see this happen in the Old Testament, so we don't know what it looks like until this guy named Jesus shows up. Do you know how Jesus starts his public ministry? Do you know what his first sermon is about? He goes to the temple and he says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Do you know what the year of the Lord's favor is? Jubilee. The year of the Lord's favor was this massive celebration where everyone could be restored. Where God could put all the broken toys back together again. 
Jesus begins his public ministry by saying, I tell you now that restoration is here. We have a God who wants to refresh and restore you. And he creates a rhythm for us as his people to do it, and that rhythm is called Sabbath. But it is a rhythm that we are not used to. It is a rhythm that, quite frankly, this church is not used to. No church is used to. And I'll be honest, we do it better than most. I really appreciated the elders and the management team when they brought me on to interview four years ago. That they didn't want to just keep burning out pastors and every four or five years having to replace us. Right? And so trying to figure out, yeah, make sure you take that day off. We want you to have that. But it's more intentional than that. You want to know why Tanner was on the screens this week? Because our goal for staff is for all of us, once a month, not to have to be here on Sundays. So we're not burning out staff, so we're not burning out volunteers. So we're finding a healthier rhythm that allows us to be sustainable and flourish and strong together. But, but to get there, as we've been doing each of these weeks, we're going to do a little bit of myth-busting around the Sabbath. So myth number one, though, is Sabbath only happens on Sunday. Right? Or Sabbath only happens one day a week. Now, okay, I am married, I have a wife, we've got a couple of dogs. I don't have kids, though, right? So it is possible for me to take an entire day off. Y'all with families? With littles? Does that, does that seem feasible? Every week you're going to take a full 24 hours and not be responsible for your children. This is just mayhem, right? This is where, like, CPS gets called in, right? That's, that, that's not possible. And what we see in Scripture... What we see in the New Testament is that is not how God defines Sabbath. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. And he says, one person considers one day more sacred than the other. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever uh, eats meat does so to the Lord and gives thanks to their God. And whoever abstains and does, uh, does so to give thanks to God. He says, guys, it's not about setting off a specific day. If that's what's in your mind, we're missing something. Sabbath, restoration, can happen throughout the week as your schedule allows. Right? So, so the, the idea that we have to have one full day or we're doing it wrong. The reason why we had that gospel rest, uh, uh, read to start off, it's one of my favorite, I mean, it's, 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 got, it's deep on a lot of different reasons, but the reason why I love it is Jesus, at the time, the Sabbath was something people were working towards. And they thought if they did the Sabbath right, if they worked enough on the Sabbath, ironically, by not working, if they did that well enough, God would love them, God would bless them. And so it got to the point where they could only take so many steps a day. So every Sabbath, that day, you could only take, it was like less than a thousand steps. So the whole day you are counting, does that sound relaxing to you? That's, does that sound enjoyable? Just in your head, this count. And you're so terrified you screw up the count that you're going to upset God. And Jesus looks at it and goes, guys, man was not created for the Sabbath. Instead, Jesus says, Sabbath was created for mankind. It was meant to be a blessing. It wasn't meant to be an obligation, but a rhythm, a way that we as Christ followers can be restored. 
Myth number two. Ah. Well, if it's not one day, it's optional. But, but, but Pastor Josh, I, I have four kids. There is no way I can take time to relax. But, 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 but Pastor Josh, man, right now in my life, work, it's going great. And I have an opportunity to take that next step. Right now, I don't have time for the Sabbath. I'm a pastor. The, the church can't survive without me. If I set it down, who's going to carry it? I mean, it's not like Jesus carries the church. Oh, crap. It's not like Jesus carries your faith. Oh, he does. Your job? Whatever it is that you're passionate about, you're not carrying it. God is. And so this idea that Sabbath, rest, that we are somehow not human, but instead we are demigods called to never be able to set something down, but that's not scriptural. Again, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. Do you see any except wins here? Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy except when you have X amount of kids. Except when life, right? And don't get me wrong. There are times where a crisis happens and we all lean in, right? So my Sabbath is Friday, and this Friday I had a member call and say, hey, a couple of my parents are really struggling right now. Can you just be praying for me? And you know what I did? I picked up my phone and I called them and we prayed together. I did pastor work on Friday, and that's okay. Jesus tells his disciples when there was this big battle about working too much on the Sabbath, he goes, if you saw a friend whose donkey fell into a ditch, would you help them get it out? Technically, work. Because of course you would, because it's good to do good on the Sabbath. Moving from the legalistic, how do I do it perfect, moving from the prescriptive, these are exactly what I have to do to do it, to the descriptive, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What is it built for? And how do we build that into our rhythms? But it's not optional. All right. One more. And this one, um, this one hurts me. And this one's going to make all of us uncomfortable. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Um, myth number three. Sabbath gets in the way of my priorities. All of us have priorities. And they all look different. And we can convince ourselves that those priorities at this time in this place are more important. And so we don't rest. And we don't teach our kids to rest. Right? I mean, it's all around us. You need to work harder. You just need to keep putting in more hours and more hours and more hours. You, you need to get these grades. You need to play these sports. My family needs to look like this or experience this. Our priorities get in the way of it. Or I can't stop. Everything depends on me. And if I stop, it will fall apart. Guys, if we have created systems 
where if someone can't lay it down sometimes, if someone can't rest from it, that system isn't right. That rhythm that we're in isn't sustainable. And this goes for church staff, this goes for your jobs, this goes for us as parents. Any rhythm where we are not allowed to rest from, we have put ourselves in the place of God. And you know what this myth really is? It's idolatry. Straight up. That's what it is. We have created idols, and this is, this is what humanity does. This is what we have done pre-America, I mean, post-garden. We just create idols. And those idols mean that we can't stop. And those idols can be good things. It's good to be good at your job. It's good to be good parents. It's good to play sports. It's good to get good grades. These are all good things, but when we change it, and we say, so I can't stop. Well, it's broken. This is from Solomon. Solomon was the richest man in his time. In fact, he was the richest man who ever existed, and he had everything. So I became greater than all who had lived in Jerusalem before me, and my wisdom never failed. Anything I wanted, I would take, he says. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. He had everything, all the pleasure, all the success, all the accomplishments. But as I looked at everything I had worked to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing after the wind, there was really nothing worthwhile anywhere. Solomon had had it all. Whatever success you're dreaming of, he had it. Money, fame, the house, the camels. Right? He had all of it. And then he says meaningless. And that word meaningless is actually the word for vapor or morning dew. And what it meant was, it's not solid. It's not a foundation you can build on. Yeah, mist looks solid. But at the end of the day, it's vapor. And it's not going to sustain you. And it's not going to sustain your family. It's not going to sustain this church. It's idolatry. And idols can't protect you they can't fulfill you. They can't protect me, and they can't fulfill me. And that's the hard truth that all of us have to look at. So we're going to, there is a gift, I promise. We're almost to it. But we are going to take a moment to just confess, to go before our God and admit we all have idols, myself at the front of the line, that have stopped us from living in a rhythm that honors God. Let's pray. God, um, this is hard. It's uncomfortable. Because, Lord, there are good things that you have given us that we don't always know how to rightly live out. Lord, our families, our accomplishments, our jobs, things that we care, this church. <laughs> Lord, good things that we turn into idols when we get out of rhythm and out of uh, the realization that you're the one who's ultimately sustaining them. 
Lord, we come before you in confession that we, we need help here, Lord, that there is sin here, that there is broken thinking here that gets in the way of what you are trying to do in our lives, in our families' lives, and the gift of rest and restoration. Lord God, we are bold to confess because your son specializes in forgiveness and in grace and putting back together the island of misfit toys. So in his precious name we pray, amen. All right, so if that's the challenge, y'all, I got some good news. Because while we all wrestle with this stuff, God isn't done just yet. In fact, he allows us to flip the script. This is uh, from Elder Grant. Uh, it was one of the first things he told me when I came to visit. But he asked the question, are we resting from work or working from rest? Are we trying to just literally keep powering through until we can finally be the deflated balloon for a little bit before we start over again? Or when we're resting, are we restored? And so we go back into our work week. We go back into our families. We go back into church restored and strengthened. And the good news is that God offers us the opportunity to work from a restorative rest. This is what Jesus says. Oh, wait. First, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That is a promise from Jesus. And all of us, at times, are weary and burdened. This is from the Psalms. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. All right, that is the promise. It's just a promise that we're not really good at being intentional about. So how do we get there? Well, the guy that I talked about about a month ago, he recommended something called a rest menu. And I'm going to ask Brenda and Kim now. We created a Sabbath menu. What is a Sabbath menu, you may ask? A Sabbath menu is intentionally writing out and figuring out how are we spiritually restored? How are we emotionally restored? And how are we physically restored? And that's going to be different for all of us. But in that restoration, in that reality, God offers us something. So we created these Sabbath menu cards. And to give you an idea of kind of what this looks like, this is my Sabbath menu. Spiritually, I am uplifted, Bible Project videos. If you guys have ever seen those, they're awesome. They do a really good job of giving you the narrative of Scripture. Second, documentaries. Uh, documentaries on Christian men or women that left, made a difference restores me spiritually. Worship music, so just jamming on my favorite Spotify list of my favorite musicians. Uh, conversation with mentors and a gratitude list with God. Uh, you may not know this, but we have a number of people in recovery at this church, and it's one of the things I learned from them, of every night writing down a gratitude list of what went well, what you're thankful for, and giving thanks to God. Those, that's what spiritually restores me. Your list is going to look differently. Uh, your list will probably include church at some point. It may seem a little bit strange, but for a pastor, church very rarely is restful. Uh, <laughs> so I find other ways. Uh, emotionally, two or three episodes of Netflix. Notice I didn't say an entire series of Netflix in one day, because uh, at one point, resting can become numbing myself, right? Uh, writing 
is something that restores me emotionally. Reading a good novel, conversations with friends, physically, weightlifting, uh, taking a nap, uh, a medium DIY project, right? Uh, not the really big ones, not the super stressful ones, but something I can do in like a day or in a couple of days. But what I've learned is I can do this throughout the week. So yes, I have Fridays as my day off, but sometimes I can do restorative Sabbath on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday morning. And my encouragement to each and every one of you is to figure out and to be intentional, because this is the big part. If we're not intentional about our rest, our sinful nature is going to have us swing to one side. I'm just going to numb myself. And numbing yourself is not a long-term solution. It's not restorative. Whether it's media, whether it's alcohol, whether it's work, whatever it is, like numbing yourself is not going to restore you. Or the flip side, no, 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 we turn it back into that optional, I'll just power through, and that's not sustainable or restorative either. So again, we've got these. If you didn't grab one, uh, grab one from there. For they're all at home, if you want one, I'll leave a comment, and we will either get one delivered to you or mailed to you. But again, this is just a simple tool to build into our lives weekly rhythms. And one last note, and then I will uh, finish and we'll continue on with our service. Parents, one of the best things you can do is teach your children to rest. Because it is so unnatural in our world right now, especially as they get into middle school and high school. We just add more and more and more and more and more spinning plates, but to intentionally walk with them and help them reflect on how God created them to rest is one of the best gifts and foundations you can give them as they progress in their life. Amen? Amen. We are now going to go into a time where we actually get restored. Communion is literally God entering into our space, showing up, fighting for us, living for us, pouring himself out, and reconnecting us to him. It was on the night that Jesus was betrayed. He took bread, he broke it, and he gave to each of his disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body which is broken for you. The same way also after the supper he took the cup, and we had given thanks. He said, Drink of it all of you, this cup is my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, a promise and a blessing. Uh, we're now going to go into a time of worship as we celebrate communion together.